Verulam Sports. Hello again and welcome to Verulam Sports Podcast. This is your host, Tony Rice. And I tell you what, I'm a massive fan of tennis. And of course, it is one of the majors going on just now, isn't it? And it is quite interesting that Naomi Osaka, who herself has four Grand Slams, two Australian Opens, two US Opens to her name, knows all about winning, knows all about dealing with pressure, announced um, back in, early in the tournament, and on the 2nd of June, no less, via social media, that she would not participate at a mandated, uh, mandated press conference. She explained precisely why, and there's been a bit of a fiore. I think there's been a bit of poor management, but it's addressed again. Maybe as a society, we still have an awful lot to learn about mental health issues and their impact. Now, to tell us all about this, to discuss and unpack, I'm honoured and massively privileged to be joined now by Debbie Roberts, CEO of the Ollie Foundation, alongside a lady without whom Debbie would be a little bit lost. The wonderful Louise Habard, executive assistant to Debbie and a community advocate. Ladies, welcome to Verum Sports Podcasting. Debbie first, how are you doing? I'm fine. Thank you so much for having us here today. It's really lovely to join you. Uh, well, listen, I'm honoured and I think you're doing a mission. I'm excited. I always I enjoy talking to missionaries who truly are passionate about what they're trying to achieve. And Louise, welcome. How is your good self? I'm good, thank you. Yes, enjoying the sun. Thank you. Absolutely. It does put a spring in the step, doesn't it, I find? But there we go. Now, Debbie, welcome again. I tell you what, I was honoured to be in studio. I can't remember in studio. I'm just in my own little mini studio here podcasting a little while back now with the, uh, one of the co-founders of the wonderful Ollie Foundation, Stuart Falconer. But that was a little while back. So, Debbie, can you please refresh my memory and introduce the Ollie Foundation and exactly what you guys are all about? Thank you, Tony. Absolute pleasure to do that. Ollie actually stands for One Life Lost Is Enough. And it was set up by Stuart, as you've mentioned, and, and two other founders, Chris and Jane tragically all met in bereavement counselling having mm. all lost come to suicide and they vowed to do whatever they could mm. to stop anyone else going through what they were going through and continue to go through mm. um i i was asked to step up as ceo a few years back and it's mm. been my absolute honor to do that and and develop the work we're doing so initially um ollie was very much focused on youth pre suicide prevention of course um, a lot of training being um, and, and really the gold standard of training, mm. uh, the kind of training that you could get in, in any country around the world. Um, well, hopefully you can. Um, and this comes from Living Works, who are a Canadian organisation who deliver things uh, like Assist, which is a two day training and Safe Talk, which is a one day. And mm. that was really our, our sort of staple diet. Got you. And that's what we're providing to um, older teens, parents and professionals. Um, since I've come on board, uh, we, we've really widened what mm. we offer and we offer it to. So uh, before this conversation, I was in a primary school uh, delivering a transition workshop. So talking to year six about how they're going to tackle their personal obstacles, their personal fears and worries about year six. Just quickly on that. And again, obviously, I'm looking to talk on Osaka just to give this a, a little bit of a context. But that's fascinating to me because two things. Number one, 
that's quite suggestive because they're terribly young, very impressionable, but therefore a sponge and capable, I guess, to absorb this. Just how critical is it that at a young age we are addressing this uh, issue of what I guess you could call suicide as a reflection of acute depression? So we would never talk about any of those things with a primary age student. What we were talking about was looking at the things that they might be worried about in relation to moving on to their secondary gotcha. school and provide them a process where they could reflect on that and then plan how they were going to overcome mm. each of those obstacles. Mm. So they had things like, um, I, uh, people might not like me, people might not like my personality. Yeah. Um, the one said, I might not be determined enough to... Uh, do you know what? I'll tell you what's really interesting on that. This transition phase, uh, again, it's been so long since I went through that transition phase. I'm scratching my noggin. But basically, they, they apply throughout life, don't they? All these kind of worries and doubts and concerns. Yeah, exactly the same list that they come up, they came up with. Our, uni, our year 13s will be thinking about in terms of university. Indeed. Our, our year three, four, five at university will be thinking mm. about in terms of moving on to their job. So, mm. yeah. And, it, you know, we talk about resilience and what we know. Resilience is a th isn't a thing. No. It is many things. You can't teach resilience, but you can give opportunities to develop it mm. through um all kinds of situations and all kinds of um mindsets which yep. are useful to explore one of the things we know is that being able to plan to achieve your goals is vital to our resilience not just having goals because they're wishes absolutely achieve them oh i wish i could be a superstar tennis player no come <laughs> on asaka had a natural gift we can't all be blessed with the dna and this and that okay she worked immensely hard at that gift with a mind and focus and fortitude that will transcend my ability to even comprehend and i know what i'm talking about here because i speak with olympians i speak with world cup winners i'm so wowed by the winner mentality of the elite athletes i truly am but here's the thing the reason we're having this chat today ladies is because osaka utilized her superstardom to announce via social media that due to issues that she's been experiencing since 2018, where she got a lot of grief from the fans, almost becoming a pantomime villain in the uh, game against Serena Williams. Since then, she suffered from um, depression, bouts of depression, she framed it as, and um, very intense anxiety. Now, I'm gonna throw this across. Um, briefly to Louise, if you could, because I think this is really critical. Again, not everybody can be an, uh, an Osaka, but we all look up to these sports stars for good reasons. But crucially, those terms there, okay? Can you explain to the layman what is the distinction between um, depression and a bout of depression and anxiety? If you could explain that briefly, that would be really useful. Okay, that's a that's an interesting one. I might um get um Debbie's um opinion on this as well. Um, but from my understanding, a experience of a bout of depression would be sort of for a short, uh, sh a shorter contained period of time, where symptoms of depression can be um not feeling much motivation, sure. feeling sad, feeling teary, sure. feeling that you don't want to engage in in life and you're not excited by mm. things. Um, and obviously a longer term depression would be something that lasted uh, for a while and didn't seem to lift 
um, in different types of circumstances. And by contrast, anxiety would be that feeling of anxiety is normal in so many situations. For example, coming on this podcast, I might have had a bit of anxiety. I might have thought, oh, I hope I've put you at ease. Yeah, no, but I'm going to be, you know, I'm, I've got to prepare for this. I've got to be ready. But that's like a normal, um, you know, our brains are set up to help us get through life. Um, but they evolved to keep us safe and not to make us happy. So that can be an issue with anxiety. You can, yeah, feel like you've got that sensation that things are definitely going to go wrong. While it can be helpful, it's when you're living with that for a long period of time, that's really, um, that can be really difficult. Well, that's been really useful. Um, Debbie, um, perhaps you might wish to elaborate on this important distinction between uh, depression, obviously a period sustained, let's call it a bout of it, and anxiety per se. If you could just uh, elaborate a touch, that would again, really useful for me as a guy who doesn't you know, have much insight to this. Sure. Well, you know what, I, I, I think Louise has actually given us a, a really, really good understanding. Um, you know, as Louise has said, anxiety is something that's inbuilt. We mm-hmm. all have it. It's part of our survival system. Mm-hmm. If we didn't feel a little bit anxious when we saw something untoward, mm-hmm. it would be dangerous for us. Mm-hmm. Um, what's problematic is when we don't listen, when we don't pay attention, uh, when we ignore it. Um, and then these things can develop. And, and we, I, I, obviously, we don't know near me, mm. but we imagine listening to what we do know that her anxieties, it sounds like she had a traumatic experience with the, with the Williams match. Absolutely. She, she was that. a pantomime villain. Yeah. 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 And, and without the, you know, again, she may have had great support, but if it didn't work for her, then it wasn't sufficient. And I just want to remind everybody, because I think this is crucial, that this is a woman, Naomi Osaka, who has also become, despite her better wishes, almost a spokesperson on race matters, okay, who is an elite athlete. Again, you simply cannot be in that category if you do not have immensely nuanced, refined stratagem to deal with the pressure cooker beyond most people's understanding of what a pressure cooker actually is. So the thing that's, uh, I think, really interesting here is that whilst this elite athlete has utilized her superstardom once again to highlight that this is something that we all experience, mm-hmm. it's got to be even harder if you've not had those elite level sports star stratagems in place, one would imagine. Absolutely. And, and you know, there have been a lot of people talking about, oh, you know, she would have had support. There would have been support there for her. She she could have utilised it. She should have spoken sure. out. This is the crux of the matter when we're talking about suicide prevention. Mm. But, but anything, pe- by definition, people aren't sure how to reach out. Uh, you know, maybe she absolutely felt the pressure mm. of her obligation. She didn't want to let people down. And, and we all know you know we 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 talk about the the sort of um our bucket of well-being getting filled and if we don't have the strategies to release Mm. that um it only takes one more thing for the bucket to be full Mm. and so sometimes it is something quite small like having to do an interview and i gotta say on this matter right Again, I consider myself a small cog in the sports broadcasting world. So far be it for me to disparage my colleagues and professionals within that field. But, you know, post-match press conference, there's sometimes very asinine questions. 
How are you feeling? I don't know. I'm feeling great. I've just won a match. I'm feeling not so great. I just lost a match. I mean, they're asinine, really, questions that they're obliged out of contract to fulfill. And you know what's annoying me, I think, and I'd like your take on this. I'm going to throw it across um, to Louise here. Now, I love sport. I love sport with a deep, deep passion, right? And I just think it's rather fascinating the different compare and contrast uh, attitudes demonstrated by the authorities within the tennis world, who, according to Article 3H of Tour Conduct, Osaka was fined £15,000 for announcing, utilising her platform social media-wise, that she would not be partaking anymore. She certainly will not be taking any asinine questions. She's done. Versus the great Roger Federer, all-time number one equal with Nadal, uh, most successful slam winner, right? Now, he gets through a match and arguably denies his foe that he beat a nice big hefty paycheck because he has a little niggle in his knee and then his strategy based on his overall commitment to winning another Wimbledon right is to back away hmm no fine so I don't know I'm just simply stating I like your take on this uh here um, um Louise the attitude therefore it's still here in sport context which I think ripples down to our yeah. understanding of the disparity between mental health issues and the physical. It seems worlds apart, and I think that's wrong, but maybe I'm naive. Yeah, no, definitely. There's always a massive contrast in how people understand mental and physical health because, I mean, this is a um, an analogy that we use a lot, Ollie, is the idea that you, um, when you're feeling mentally not that great, it's like having a cold. It's really difficult to kind of describe how it's feeling to somebody else. And we, and you can be in that cold, you can have that stuffy nose and everything and other people around you can't really understand how that feels. Mm -hmm. And so when you're comparing mental and physical health, the people can see the physical health things. They say like, oh yeah, this is observable. We can tell you've got that problem with your knee. Okay, cool. You don't have to partake in it. But with mental health, people like to pick it apart. People like to doubt it. And I think it's also important here to look at if you're comparing those two different sports stars the ethnicity and the gender um because there is so much history of women Mm -hmm. just to cut you short there i'm terribly sorry to do so i'm just conscious of time here because i feel as though we're entering into a realm where possibly we could devote five podcasts to but um just to kind of come back to this am i again a naive idealist to dream, almost getting on my uh, best Dr. Martin Luther King impression on, that to dream of a society, a world, where this disparity is negated. We have a full assimilated, fully understood appreciation for what it is to be a human, of course, conditioned. Am I terribly naive once again? Um, I'm going to throw it back to you, Debbie. Please enlighten me or just give me faith in my naivety. Look, I have the same dream. I really hope that this is achievable and we're doing everything we can to help. Uh, let, me give you, let me give you an example of a case study yesterday. A, a mother rang. She was desperate. Uh, a really difficult situation at home with a, a younger teenager. Um, rules around mobile phones. The mobile phone yeah. disappeared is you can't have it after a certain time um and we didn't have it in our age you know in my age we didn't have these things Mm. this is where things start 
to mm. maybe fall down because if we're mm. always going back to what we had what we did mm. her daughter is living now in 2021 mm. we have a generation of young we have no idea what it's like to grow up mm. in in the internet mm. where everything is tracked monitored where mm. uh, news is curated for us mm. based on at so yes i i have the same dream as you but we have to be um really conscious yeah that we're open-minded mm-hmm. um and that we're, we're really as real as we can be about the problem because her daughter's problem is not the problem she had when she was 13 of course. 20 years ago it's metaphorically worlds apart even though just a mere generation However, I want to just before we move things forward, just keep on this theme for a second, throwing it back almost uh, tennis uh, across the net styly, um, back across now to Louise. Um, I always, in my naivety, going to default in an attitudinal stance to a pint half full kind of a guy, right? So just before we again talk about the bigger picture and give you an opportunity to explain how we can all benefit from learning more about the great work you do at the Oli Foundation, Louise, um, please, would I be wrong? What am I maybe looking at my pint half for when it's possibly a touch lower than a half full? I don't know. To say, yeah, we're not out to the dream yet. We all get that. We are real. But there has been progress. The likes of Osaka utilizing her superstardom to get this yeah. into the zeitgeist means that there is at least progress, I think, in our awareness, at least. Mindfulness is in the, in the zeitgeist, for instance. Is the progress there? Am I right to be pint half full in the progress sense? Yeah, I think there definitely has been progress. I think there's always going to be a case of one step forward, a little dance backwards. Mm -hmm. Um, And essentially with all of the nuance that comes with social media and trolling, even if somebody can, you know, the main line concept is, yes, this is okay. It's okay to have to be open about these mental health struggles. There's always so much fluff around the side that we have to learn how to deal with, you know, people saying, people having counter arguments, people not believing Mm -hmm. people, people. And in the way that now with social media, you can have so many other people's opinions on your mental health struggle that you would never have had before. So it is just to come back on that again. Now, my issue again, I default pint half full. I'm a positive kind of a guy. But my default issue with that is right. I think some of the issues again, it's COVID expanded. We'll talk about that. Um, Is that so many people are so worried, I think about what looks like their friends are having the greatest life, their best life on Instagram, on Facebook, instantly in our faces. And you look at that and your friend and you're going, oh, I don't have the perfect picket fence. Oh, I don't have this, the perfect tennis racket, whatever it might be. It's the pressures in this Insta era uh, getting amplified. Got to ask that question. And again, Louise, if you fire it back across and then Debbie, smash it back at me, please. Sure. So I think definitely the pressures are amplified for young people. Um, I think that it's so difficult because also as a society, we don't yet have the understanding Mm. of how to teach young people about what it's like to see everybody with their perfect lives. We have to constantly Mm. remind young people what you're seeing isn't the case for everybody. Mm. Um, People show their highlight reel. They don't show them Mm -hmm. even normal life they don't show them having a pretty okay day look i'm not being funny about it but nobody ever takes a picture of instagram on themselves on the toilet do they no but that's where everybody looks at instagram (laughs) ironically (laughs) yeah 
No, anyway, uh, great work there from Louise, uh, conscious of time and lots still to cram in. Uh, Debbie, can you just pick up on that yeah. point, the instantaneous pressure to keep up with peer pressure, which at 11 is a big thing. Of course it is. You were there today. But I would suggest, not that I'm an expert, no doctor, but I find it weird that peer pressure, if you think about it properly, never goes away. Never goes away. It's always there. So, you know, we, we, we could do a whole podcast. We could do a whole week of podcasts on the Internet, the pros and the cons. And, and the, there's huge arguments for both. Sure. So we have to get better. But what I think maybe what I feel is really important to say is this Generation Z, mm -hmm. they are the most diverse, the mm -hmm. most educated generation mm -hmm. that, that, that we have. Um, it just can't be business as usual. Their understanding of how they use social media yep. is completely different to ours. Um, we have to we have to understand this better because Generation Z athletes are not going to put up with this nonsense. Mm. Or are the Generation Z uh, uh, spectators? We all demand more. So um, whether it's online or offline, whether it's corporate sports or mm -hmm. charities, us, we have to know how to engage. And, and, and meet the demands of this generation. You know, when we went into COVID, and I know, Tony, you wanted yes. to talk about COVID. Before March 2020, there was no suicide prevention online. If mm. you suggested it, you'd be marched out of the room because how are we going to protect people? How are we going to make people safe? March it's amazing when the back's against the wall. What is that old one about necessity being the mother of invention? Well, the quote that I used most often last year was Dr. Ellie Goldratt, who said, what we do in an emergency is probably what we should have been doing all the time. Tell you what, would you repeat the reference and that quote for me again, please? Dr. Ellie Goldratt, business genius, uh, creator of Theory of Constraints, said, what we do in an emergency, we should probably have been doing all the time. 2nd of March, it was clear to me where we could possibly go. Mm -hmm. Obviously, kept everything crossed, it wasn't going to happen. Of course. But being a small charity mm -hmm. allows us to be quite agile. Mm -hmm. By the end of March, we had rewritten everything. We had everything online. And in the last year, we've trained just under 5,000 people. Repeat that figure. It's staggering. Well, it, it's, Louise, it's, it's just under five. It's around four and a half, between four and a half and 5,000 people. It's still um, staggering if it was 4,449. It's, <laughs> it's a staggering amount of people. And that's because we're online. I, a couple of weeks ago, I taught 15 volunteer health workers in Nepal. We have taught both the mental, biggest mental health charities in South mm. Africa. Yes. Being online allows us to make not just a difference to Hertfordshire, which is always where our heart is, mm -hmm. but all across the world. I tell you what, I love the fact you're on a mission. I am so honoured to be in your, in your company. Do you know what? I, I, we're only using this auditory here. I hope this doesn't come across as patronising, but there's a great Kanye West lyric that goes, uh, bow in the presence of greatness. He's been self-referential. I take it seriously. I am bowing before you, Pear, seriously. Uh, but what I would like to ask, and we haven't got much time now, you mentioned that Generation Z and all the issues thereof. Like you say, we could talk about that for hours. But uh, in the constraints of the last few minutes of this pod, um, I was aware, going back a few years, I haven't fact-checked, but suicide, again, I think it was the trigger that caused um, the Ollie Foundation to be given from Stuart Falconer's perspective, because it was his son that committed suicide, age, I think, 15. Do correct me if I'm wrong. But the thing is, I was under the misapprehension, or at least belief, that suicide was the biggest killer amongst young men, sub-40, in the world. Now, 
is that trend shifting in this COVID era? I know it's a murky ground, but we are talking Osaka as our framework here. What's going on trend-wise, suicide-wise, when it comes to women and younger women, please? And I could throw that now to um, Louise, if you could. Sure, yeah. So the data about suicide is always tricky to get, and obviously it's going to be emerging from yeah. COVID. And as a result of that, because obviously coroner reports are taking longer, all those types of things are a bit slower. So it's going to be a slow emerging trend. The key thing that it would be really important to share is the fact that when we're looking at gender and suicide, um, when we're, it's always the quote that's always mentioned is that 75% of suicide deaths are men. Right. Possibly true. But when you look at the attempts, um, and so framing suicide as purely just a male problem is, completely a, a fallacy essentially well here's the thing but, hence that old one about facts damn lies and false statistics isn't it i guess nevertheless stats are useful i'm a sportsman i'm a borderline stato so i appreciate them uh it's still a tragic fact i'm an idealist i dream of the day where you guys don't need to exist because we've reached that zenith of human understanding um but quickly thrown across now once again to ceo of the ollie foundation a local um, adaptable charity who have pivoted like a magician, like a soccer hitting back the backhand with wonderful Alan. It goes back to Debbie Roberts. And I need to ask you this. Um, not everybody can be an elite level athlete, but you can help everybody at all levels. What's the goal now at grassroots for the Ollie Foundation? One of the things, well, we have many, but one of the things we'd really like to share with listeners today, we want to be training, uh, getting into all those grassroots sports clubs. We want to be respecting those incredible parents yes. that give up their time we want to be training them we have a 90 minute online suicide prevention course it is free guys as well i'm sure you're a sports fan 90 minutes the euros are coming up hey come on just give up a game of football that's all you're giving up you can do that absolutely and you don't have to give it up you don't have to give it up we run these every few weeks so you can watch all your favorite teams and still learn how to support someone that you are concerned about uh, we want to bring this to every football, rugby, yes. netball, lacrosse, whatever sport it is. We all have to deal with the same issues. And I love the fact you're doing it. I love the fact you're here with me. I've got less than a minute to get this wrapped up now. Uh, in closing, uh, if you are listening and this impacts upon you, it will impact on all too many if you just want more information. Um, Louise, can you remind us of the best way to engage with the Ollie Foundation, please? Sure, yes. Yeah. So our website is theolliefoundation.org. Um, and we can also be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Um, but you can go to our website, um, yeah, theollyfoundation.org, and have a look at our calendar, find our events, um, and just engage with us. Absolutely awesome. Debbie, in closing, just less than a minute, as I say, can you just remind me of the best websites, please? The best website for the Ollie Foundation? Yes, please. As Louise said, as, as said www.theollyfoundation.org. That has been perfect. I've truly enjoyed your company. I wish I had more time to spend with you. I'll be in touch very soon. For now, keep up the awesome work. I'm really impressed that you lead the way with such grace and dignity. Thank you. Thank you.